Welcome to uh, episode eight of Two Crees in a Pod. Today we are thrilled to have Dr. Dwayne Donald join us. And um, before we get into any of the incredible conversation that I know we're going to have today, uh, we want to ensure, Dwayne, that you have some space to introduce yourself to our listeners in whichever way you would like. Megan so yeah just just greeting you all friends and relatives and uh just thankfulness gratefulness for for life for another day for all the gifts that we have um my name is big bear i come from the papa chase and uh always add on there the beaver hills people because i I think uh, it's important to acknowledge those uh, extended kinship relations that uh, I have. I also have a Blackfoot name, Ni Sto Ni Tsitsitapi Paksum Epio Machka. So I'm uh, a long runner. That's my Blackfoot name. I got that uh, almost 30 years ago now. So yeah. it's good to join you two. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for that introduction, Dwayne. Um, in keeping with your introduction, you mentioned uh, the Beaver Hills uh, people and, and your extended family, uh, Papa still. And uh, I hope I said that right, Papa Sis, Papa Sis, Papa Sis. Um, and so uh, in keeping with that introduction, uh, maybe we can start this episode in um, in sharing uh, some history, because I know, Terry and I know that you've done some extensive research and some extensive, you know, um, going back to and, and revisiting and relocating uh, the story of uh, the city that we all live in. Mm. And so if you would like to share with our listeners a bit about uh, the story of the Beaver Hills people and uh, Papa still. Yeah, I could do that. And it's, you know, it's, it's a very personal, very, very family story that you know, I continue to think about and, and make connections and learn from. And uh, one thing over the years that has been really helpful for me as someone who, uh, you know, I would say for a long time in my life, I felt a sense of loss of community coming from you know, a community that uh, was displaced, as you said, and, and kind of chased away. And even though I grew up and still live on the land that, that was the Papa Chase Reserve, uh, just those kinship connections uh, and the loss of those is, is something that, you know, had a, had a real effect, I would say, on me and my family. But yeah, the, the way I, you know, I understand it is that, uh, you know, our, our ancestors who lived in this area here that we call Edmonton now, Amasquichi, um, in this whole region here, you know, um, 
everybody was interrelated, intermarried, and all those kinds of things. And, you know, over the years, whenever I've gone to Saddle Lake or I've gone to Kihiwan or I've gone to Muskwachis, the different communities there, or, and I introduce myself, there'll always be someone in the crowd that'll be nodding his or her head. And later they'll come and tell me, yeah, I'm from, I'm from Baba Chase too, right? And so it felt, it feels good to be recognized like that. But, um, yeah, once things started to change and, uh, you know, the idea of, of treaty was presented, the way I understand it is that my ancestors, most of my ancestors, the Cree ones anyways, were, were part of the Pawpaw Chase Band. So um, living in the Edmonton region, the Beaver Hills region, and uh, in the summer of 1877, agreed to an adhesion to Treaty 6. And, um, you know, I uh, actually have a, a fairly direct connection to that time because my, my dad, Alan Donald, he was raised by his grandma and she was born in 1869. And uh, that's the one who raised him. And, uh, you know, my dad has passed away now, but when he was still alive later on in his life, he started to share, you know, some of, I guess, what he learned when he was younger and uh, just sort of tried to piece together uh, a lot of things that uh, we didn't understand very well back when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that Papa Chase connection, um, for people who don't know, there there was a reserve on what is now the south side of Edmonton that was the Papa Chase Reserve. The, the land that was the Papa Chase Reserve was surveyed in about 1880 after some negotiating, and it was 40 square miles. So it was a, a large track of land typical for prairie reserves at that time. And uh, the people in charge, soon after that reserve was surveyed, the people in charge began lobbying hard for its removal because they they didn't want the city or the reserve to be in the way of the growth of the city. They had big plans for Edmonton, right, as a prairie town. And the other thing that's, you know, commented on a lot from, you know, documents from the time is that the, the soil um, you know, that the Papa Chase Reserve had was considered very rich and valuable, and they, they said the land should be used by better people. And so, you know, over about a decade of a lot of pressure and a lot of coercion, the, the land was expropriated, and the Papa Chase people were chased away. So those, are, those are my ancestors, part of that. And like I said, like in, in my family from about 1890, and you know, my, my, my dad was born in the, in the 1930s, I think, um, you know, there was a lot of trauma, there was a lot of struggle. And, um, you know, by the time my dad became a father, there was a lot of things that just didn't want to pass on or talk about. Right? And so I actually didn't learn that story until you know, I was in my 20s. And never since then, just been continuing to try to learn more about it and, and what it means for me and my family. 
Thank you for sharing that. I, I you know, you talk about <laughs> when you go into community and you make these connections, you know, and, and I know that, you know, I recently found out it would have been probably about a year or two ago. Um, I was having a conversation with my own parents and uh, my late grandfather um, is family is connected to Puppish Chase Reserve. And so, you know, just within the communities and, and the connections there, um, you know, the, the displacement that has had and, and how many of us are connected in some way to this place that we reside in. Um, I know that I've, I've been fortunate enough to do a river walk with Dwayne. Uh, Dwayne's done the river walks in the um, city of Edmonton downtown. Um, and definitely something that uh, was eye-opening for me. You know, I've, I've lived in Edmonton for many years uh, and have tried my best to educate myself about the history here as well. But I know that, you know, when I was able to uh, take our McEwen students and faculty out with you, it was such a, it was such a really, it was such an important piece of that education that, I haven't heard in other spaces um, and it was so nice because afterwards we went into a sweat we went out to Enoch and sweat and, and just really you know we're able to build those relationships together and um, yeah I just you know with the city of Edmonton we did that project this year with uh, the indigenous word naming and again sitting with amazing indigenous scholars and women and leaders and elders and knowledge keepers uh, and learning about the history of Puppish Chase and the Chief Papasteo uh, and, and understanding, you know, from having direct descendants come in and do presentations to our, our committee about that history. And, you know, again, like there's just so much. I think that's, you know, part of my journey is always there's just so much to learn. We're always learning and on that path. And so, yeah. Top boy. Yeah. And I, you know, I, it's been a, I think a, a huge uh, healing aspect of all of this for me, because I, you know, growing up with that sense, you know, that you're in a place where you don't really belong. And then realizing that actually I couldn't belong any deeper anywhere else, you know, and really um, <clears throat> beginning to kind of stand tall based on that kind of understanding. It's been a, it's been a really great, um, that River Valley Walk fixes me up every time I do it. And uh, so I understand why people find it valuable as well. But, you know, it's important for me to share that, um, you know, when I was a, you know, and once I finished, you know, university and, and moved away from Edmonton, there's a, you know, the things that are really important in my life right now, like that River Valley Walk, um, I didn't know anything about that stuff back then. And things changed for me really dramatically uh, when I got a job teaching at Kainai High School. Mm. And I, you know, I was with those people, the Bloods, for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And it changed my life. And I owe them so much, like some of the people you probably know, like the late Narcissus Blood, who really just uh, supported me so much and encouraged me, and, and so many others that I could name. Ramona Bighead is another. I take her as my sister. But, you know, the way I think about it now, this was in the early 90s when I went down there, is this 
kid from the city who didn't know anything is they they kind of took pity on me and uh, and really tried to teach me you know what it means to be a real human being and uh, one thing that I always reflect on is uh, you know I was at a session one time and Dr. Leroy Little Bear was talking and uh, he said um, when the land doesn't recognize you anymore, that's when you know you have an ID problem. <laughs> and uh, I felt like he was speaking directly to me at that time. Now, you know, over my time at Kainai as a teacher and curriculum developer and all those awesome things that I got to be a part of, got to go to ceremonies, I sort of was brought into the Blackfoot imagination and I, I really... Um, you know, got an introductory, I guess, crash course into how they mapped their territory according to ceremonies and songs and stories. And so, you know, when I came back home here, that was my focus. I thought to myself, you know, I don't want to be um, a stranger in my in my own ancestral land. I want to be recognized. Mm-hmm. And so... Every day that I go down into the river valley, that's what I try to do. I try to be a good relative. You know, I, I, I want to be um, recognized in that way, and I continue to struggle with it. But uh, that's what that river valley walk is about. It's just me trying to piece together a story I can tell myself about who I am and what it means to live here. And that is... Um that is so beautiful. Uh, and, and it reminded me of something that I do with my BSW students. So I teach an indigenous knowledge class with our BSW students. And one of the first things that I ask, ask them to do is to make meaning of, of place. And um, I ask them questions like, who's Anthony Hende? And why is one of the biggest freeways in this city named after one of the first explorers of the interior Northwest? I mean, we've got freeways named after settler settlers, colonial uh, colonized uh, colonizing folks. Um, And we can tell those stories. But when I ask them to look at Edmonton in the way that you've described it, Dwayne, um, that's new. That's very new to a lot of folks. Again, like Terry said, I've lived in Edmonton off and on since I was 17 years old. I didn't know those stories. And and so, so it's so important for us, whether we um, are, are from this territory, you know, are, whether we identify, like you said, uh, with the land very directly, or that we live here. And I encourage everyone who's listening to have a really deep understanding of the place that you live and, and the importance of that. And so who, who are the freeways named after? Who are the streets named after in the city that you live in? And there was some controversy not long ago when one of our uh, freeways or one of our roads uh, going off the Hende uh, was named uh, in uh, in uh, relation to uh, Muskegee. Mm-hmm. And so uh, a lot of folks were upset about that because they didn't know how to pronounce it. And so, I don't know, Dwayne, if, if you want to keep going on with that conversation, <laughs> I would love to hear more. Uh, yeah, that was pretty amusing, that whole commentary there. 
um, that it's hard to say. Um, but that, that was uh, one of the things that uh, I found so beautiful about the work that, you know, all you ladies did with, with the city and naming the wards. Because I, I remember reading the one section where there was this assertion that, you know, we're, we're, we're not in the business of, uh, of putting human beings on a pedestal. That's that's not our tradition, and uh, it, it goes against a, a lot of things that mm-hmm. you know we're taught uh, in terms of ethics and so on. And uh, you know, so I was really I knew that, that that group that was there was the best one to be doing that work and going about it the right way. And uh, I, I guess for me, because I you know I'm, I'm somebody that uh, you know I I only heard bits and pieces of, of the Cree language when I was young and so you know I've, I've struggled to try to become a speaker you know later in my life but I really believe that uh, you know we need to hear those names we need we need to hear that language and uh, I've in my own in my own way in my own I guess life practices I, I can see that uh, when you say those names in that way um, it's like something gets woken up Something gets renewed, and you get uh, there's a resonance that you can feel, you can hear. I know you know what I'm talking about, and uh, and uh, it, it's it's something I think about a lot in my own role at the university and how I try to guide the students, um, <clears throat> because I, I think um, in a certain sense, if if we're going to follow this this treaty vision that you know has been gifted to us. Uh, we're going to have to continue to try to work out and balance how we articulate what we're trying to do or the kind of life that we want to have. And so uh, I'm imagining that, uh, you know, Canadians, everyday Canadians are going to know more and more about these beautiful concepts that we have and what they mean for them as as people, newcomers, I guess you could say, or settlers. Mm -hmm. That's that's the way I try to work with it, and so um, yeah, I just get so excited when I see I see more and more of the language showing up in different places. And I think that you know, with with the indigenous, we're going into election year with the city of Edmonton, and uh, you know, so the names are going to be all over, right? Like this is you know, obviously the time where there is going to be a huge visibility of these indigenous names across the board on uh on signage on you know election ballot cards what have you and you know it's so important i I talk about that visibility and that symbolism piece as well for our young people and how important that is to to see ourselves again reflected here and i think that you know like i i know that you know you're Dwayne. are when are you in puppet chase ward you are aren't you I am. <laughs> <laughs> and then I know that Amber's in Anurknik, which is the Inuit, the breath of life. Um, and I'm in Dene. And it's so interesting because I think that, you know, when we have these conversations of, of, I had somebody just emailing me yesterday wanting to learn about, you know, the ward in, in southern Edmonton. And so it's so you know, I guess these conversations are so important too to talk about. Um, for sure, the language. for sure. 
And so I think another question I have for you, Duane, is, is because we have uh, so many folks who, who tune in and so many folks who, um, who have reached out to us um, in relation to uh, maybe feeling some displacement, you know, from their community um, and, and uh, at no fault of their own. Um, many times we have folks who were raised in care and uh, are 60 scoop survivors and et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, what types of things might you, um, if you were speaking to them directly, what types of things might you might you say to those folks? Yeah, that's a, thanks for that question, Amber. Um, and it's certainly something that I have a lot of personal experience with, uh, you know, that struggle to try to connect. And maybe I'll, maybe I'll talk about that for a bit before I, I guess I, I give some guidance to people who might be struggling because sometimes, you know, stories help in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I came back home here from, from Kainai, uh, you know, I, I wanted to make some connections and I, you know, I, I struggled for a few years because I, you know, I really didn't know a lot of, of people in this area. And, uh, struggled along in different ways and uh, slowly, you know, I, I got invited to some ceremonies and those kinds of things and uh, started to make some progress. Um, and I had a chance to, you know, to, to talk with our dad about these kinds of things before he, he passed away. I don't consider it a coincidence that uh, it was just a few days after dad passed away that I met uh, Bob Cardinal for the first time. And uh, of course, Bob is a beautiful ceremonial elder, Muskekosik, Enoch Cree Nation. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, right away, as, as soon as I met Bob, um, there was a, there was a, just a comfort that, that we understood each other and, uh, and uh, he, he's been very kind and patient with me as I've, you know, I've tried to, I've tried to help him do what he does as best I can. And I make a lot of mistakes and, you know, I have a lot to learn still. And I'm a little old to be an Oscopio, but uh, I, I just take, I take a lot of pride in, in helping Bob as much as I can. But, you know, here's the truth of it. You know, when I, when I first met Bob, and started to get to know him and he invited me to his place and to sweats. Uh, I went out there one winter morning. I don't know how long ago this was. Um, but it was one winter morning. It was pretty cold. He said, we're going to have a sweat, you know, come, you can come, come early. So I, yeah, I went out there pretty early and, uh, I got there and it was cold course and and so the rocks were frozen from the last sweat and Bob was the only one there I'm sorry to say and he was uh digging out the frozen rocks that were frozen himself with a crowbar and it hurt me a lot to see this beautiful old man doing that and so that's when I I just said to myself I remember I'm going to help him as much as I can because that's not right. That old man shouldn't have to do that, you know. And he never complains. You know, he, he, 
he never uh, gives anybody heck. He's just, you know, too kind that way. But uh, that's how, you know, the relationship with, with Bob kind of grew, um, is that, you know, I just decided that uh, somebody needed to help him. Mm-hmm. And so I continue to do that. And it's, it's really only through, you know, that relationship with Bob and, and my, I guess, my, my desire to continue to learn more and, and try my best to, to keep, keep with it that uh, my kinship network has just grown. And uh, I mean, that, that's really what it takes, I guess, is, is to, you know, what I tell a lot of young people who are struggling in that way is uh, just to take opportunities when they come, you know, because because they do come. There are people who you know you'll get invited, or and sometimes we you know we feel intimidated or we feel like we're going to make a mistake, we don't want to go or whatever it is. But uh, I think that's the most important thing is just to is to try to search out those opportunities to connect and to. I guess have courage to trust that people are going to look after you. You know, if you go there in the right way, and and uh, you just, I guess, commit to trying to learn something that's going to help you. You know, and that happens. Uh, you know, I'm sure it happens for for you too in your role at at McEwen. But you know, for me at the U of A, it's happened quite a bit over the years where you know I'll be working away in my office and I'll I'll get a knock on the door and here's this young indigenous person who I've never met who says uh, I've heard that you're involved in ceremonies can you help me and it's it's so sad that uh, you know the university is a place where our young people have to come to make those connections but um, that's the way it is right and so the best we can do is to try to be kind and and try to help them out and so that's what I do I, I very much take that role as an Oscopio into the university and uh, see it as an opportunity for me to, to try to help there as well. So mm. that's the best I can say about that, I guess, right now. Uh, Terry, I, I think that, and, and we're both nodding along to that because <laughs> I think that that happens so often. And maybe I just want to drop a quick reminder um, to to myself and to everyone who might be listening that that to be mindful of of how people come to us and that there there can be there can be some judgment out in Indian country um, in regards to how people come to us and and if people don't know what they don't know and they're seeking for what they think they should know that it's so important that we are that we're mindful of that because not everyone grew up with ceremony. Not everyone grew up with the language. Not everyone grew up with, with a Bob or, or with, you know, with Terry and I, with, with the dads that we have and the, and the mothers that we have, you know, not everyone. um, And I recognize that's a privilege. And, and, uh, and I think that uh, it's so important for us to be mindful that when people do come to us, that we greet them in that way of, uh, of kindness and compassion. And, and so, um, yeah, I just wanted to, to just hopefully that put out a message of, of being kind and compassionate to folks, uh, regardless of how they come to us. 
And I just want to add add on to that, Amber, because I think that you know, uh, to our to our communities, to our indigenous communities, and even our institutions. And as as Dwayne has mentioned, you know, we we do have uh, indigenous students, urban indigenous students, reaching out to our indigenous centers and our indigenous faculty, seeking a connection to culture and ceremony. But I, I think, you know, we've we both worked in community as well. And, you know, one of the things that I think that, you know, program managers um, can look at is about creating these larger spaces of ceremony. Again, sometimes I think that our, we, we, are, we know the families within the, the communities that have ceremony, um, the, but opening that up because... We just, you know, I work with so many families that just don't have a connection. They don't have a relationship to a ceremonial family or a lodge. And so, you know, if we look within our Indigenous communities and we start creating these opportunities for ceremony, um, it brings together people who don't have those those uh, connections. And, you know, that's one of the things that we've worked really hard at McEwen. And it's so amazing now because, you know, when I moved, I was, you know, I had my connections back home and then moving to Edmonton, a little worried that, you know, what am I going to do? <laughs> I'll go home, but what am I going to do locally in terms of my connections to culture and ceremony? Um, and again, those come, you know, there is opportunities as Donald, uh, Dwayne Donald has, has said, right? Like they, they, they present themselves in ways if we, we know and we are asking for that even in, in prayer. And so I think that, you know, it's, it's always, you know, our work is to ensure that we are always creating that opportunity uh, for connection for those who are seeking it in some way. And uh, yeah. it's so important. So important. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up, I just want to ask you, Dwayne, if there's any closing comments that you have for our listeners today. I, I guess uh, the, the message I have is uh, to just try to make sure that you're you're looking after yourself as best you can, everyone who's listening. Mm -hmm. And for me, uh, you know, the best way to do that is to is to try to get outside as much as you can and just allow yourself to just just. Uh, I guess be present you know the life the life that's around us I mean I I know it sounds cliche and uh, I don't want to I don't want to have this Pocahontas moment here <laughs> that's <laughs> that's not where I'm going but I I just think that uh, you know I've I've studied colonialism quite a bit in my work and uh, really come to understand um the trauma associated with it, because to me, colonialism is all about relationship denial. It's like teaching you to be a human being that that focuses on separating things out and categorizing things mm -hmm. and, and denying relationships. And uh, it's done a lot of damage. Yeah. And so um, probably the one that's done the most damage is, is the denial of the relationship that we have with the things that give us life. And so just to feed your body that way, you know, to, 
to be down by the river if you can get down there, you know, if you live in Edmonton or wherever you are, mm-hmm. just to, to make those connections and, uh, and uh, try to get outside and move around. I think um, that's the best way to survive this pandemic and, uh, and come out of it feeling pretty good, hopefully. Thank you so much. Um, I learned a lot today. And, uh, and so thank you for that, uh, Dwayne. Thank you for joining us on Two Crees in a Pod. Um, and um, yeah, we just look forward to, to seeing, uh, seeing you out there in ceremony at some point and, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and learning more from you. Um, because I, I know that I've learned a lot from you, Dwayne. So I appreciate you. Well, thank you. Thank you both. Thank you. And take good care. We will. Thank you. All right. Two crees in a pod. Two crees in a pod. Two crees in a pod. Hey. Natani means. Yeah. Let's go. They pushed us to this point. Frustrations of a common man. Manifest the destiny. Preach and pledge the promised land. I'm stuck between taking my journey. Live with no honor. Like what's the use of my kids? Can't taste clean water. A child born into a world. Revolution's not a choice. Fighting to be heard, so we make them hear our voice. What? Remember ancestors' anguish, lightning in our veins. Hear it in a language when they are kissing for the rain. I am product of people that persevere persecution. Paint me so creator sees me if I go out shooting. Experience our pain when our women disappear daily. Anxious to be angry, pacifists might hate me. Trolls on the internet constantly trying to bait me. We move in silence, cover of the night. Learning from the woods in the forest. Tracking enemies in the woods Reincarnations of warriors riding for salvation Or are we false prophets when we submit to temptation Colonization is a hell of a drug We all seem to go crazy when we fall in love I said colonization is a hell of a drug We all seem to go crazy when we fall in love I said Two Crees in a Pod.